Well, we come today to a time of celebrating the love of Jesus Christ for us. And in celebrating His love, hopefully a time of kind of evaluating and reflecting our, for, on our love for Him. We come to a time in which we, uh, as we do this, it should impact, shouldn't it? It, it, it should make a difference. That we stop and we remember afresh His love, that we, we stop and evaluate our love. Shouldn't that make a difference in, in how we're going to relate with others the rest of this day? Shouldn't it make a difference in how we live this week, both with, with God and with others? It should make a difference. Let's, let's come into this time with that mindset that God, is as I come to this table, I want you to do a work in my life. And I want that work to show up in all the areas of my life, whether it's comfortable for me or not, whether it's fun or not. Lord, I want to go where you want me to go. As we uh, do this, let me read a passage that is uh, familiar to us on the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to turn there with me, you can, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, you'll find that there in your New Testament, right after the book of Romans, you should be familiar with where that is. Uh, we'll be back to that. First Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. It says there, Now in giving the following instruction, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better. And see, that's kind of what I was just saying, isn't it? That when we come together, when we come to this moment, we should leave here better, Right? Better, better relationship with God, a better relationship with each other, a, a better commitment in our walk with the Lord. And he says to these Corinthians, but you've come together and it's not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. There must be, there must indeed be factions among you so that the approved among you may be recognized. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others. And one person is hungry while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat in and drink in? Or do you look down on the church of God and embarrass those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you for this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was Betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself. In this way, he should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. A couple of observations to make here is as we ourselves come to this table, and I'd sure like to think we're not struggling with some of the same issues that they were there at the, in the church in Corinth. But as he points out these issues in Corinth, it should cause us to reflect, hey, what is going on inside our body as we come to this table? What's going on inside me individually? What's going on 
inside us. And obviously there's two real issues here that, that Paul's very disturbed by that I, I think he would say, man, that's a slap in the face to Christ. We come here to celebrate Christ, but, but you mock Christ in the way that you come to this table. And there's, there's two things uh, that he deals with. The first one is their, their division, their divisiveness. Man, you're coming to this table at odds with each other. Now, there's a couple of ways we can think about that. What believer, what other uh, brother or sister in Christ, whether a member of this church or not, what other believer am I at odds with? Am I at odds with somebody in my family? Now, of course, specifically in the text is, am I at odds with anybody in this church? Boy, I hope you remember the, the challenging passage in 1 John 4, where, where Jesus says, listen, don't, don't come in here, don't come and say, I love you, God, and yet you hate your brother. I, I don't accept that. I don't see that as love. It's not love. It, it actually irritates me that you say that. Don't come to profess your love. Don't come to worship when you're at odds with somebody else. Another passage in Matthew 5 actually says, leave and go take care of that. What a reminder, folks, that a walk with Christ is always a walk with others. I think we forget that probably more in the American church than in other nations, other places where they worship the Lord Jesus because we're so individualistic. And we define the scripture, we define the Christian walk as me, my personal relationship with Jesus, my personal quiet time, my daily walk with Christ. We've made it so individualistic, but you, you walk through the New Testament, it's a whole lot more about we and us than it is about me and my. A walk with Christ is a walk with others. That same point is made in the next issue that Paul brings up. He, he brings up their selfishness. He says, man, you, you come to this table, you're, you know, you're elbowing each other, you're butting in line to see who can, who can get up there, and you know, I want to get my meal, I want to eat and drink. He says, man, this isn't about a meal. Haven't you always kind of thought it's kind of funny? I know probably every one of us, especially as children, the first time you take the Lord's Supper, you think, well, why is this so small? I mean, this little wafer, it's hardly on your tongue before it's gone. A little, little bit of juice, I mean, it doesn't even, doesn't even come close to satisfying thirst. But this isn't about a meal, is it? This is, this is not about nutrition. It's not about, you know, hey, we're doing this today, so you don't, you don't need to go to lunch this afternoon. No, that, that's not what it's about. These are just elements just to cause us to remember. And God gives us something that engages all of the senses in our memory. I mean, it's something we can touch, something we can taste and, and smell as we come to remembering His love for us. It's not about a meal. And yet they were treating it that way. I'm going to get up there and get, I'm going to get mine. We can't approach this table in selfishness. Now, I talked just a moment, about, a moment ago about, you know, it being more than a, a personal nature. But you know what? As we do come to this table, there is a real aspect of, of per, private time, isn't there? I mean, we do come here to evaluate my love for Christ and how that's being expressed. I come here to, to deal with maybe what sin there is in my life that is, is contradictory to somebody saying, I love you, Jesus, and, and yet I'm carrying around this sin. This is a time of... Of dealing with that. But even in that sense of personalness that there is about this time, there's still a sense that we do this together. You know what? You don't take the Lord's Supper alone. You, you can go home and get bread and juice at home, can't you? 
But, but it's not something we do alone. It is something we do together. Third option or third observation that he, that he makes in this is that as, as you and I will do this in a moment, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. Now, what are we proclaiming in that? There's a variety of things maybe we could point out or touch on. I, I tell you, one that comes to my mind is Romans 5.8. It says God demonstrates, God displays, God proves His love for you. And that while you were a sinner, not, not while you were being at your best, not while you were at your most religious, while you were running from Him, while you were living in opposition to Him, that's when Christ died. God proved, God showed His love in that while you were a sinner, that's when Christ died for you. So when we talk about proclaiming Christ's death, we're proclaiming God's love for people. God's love for you as an individual. What a reminder that as we come to this table, it is all about a love relationship. Are we still thinking about it like that? A love relationship? I, I, I want to use a passage this morning. I don't, I don't know if it's a passage. I know I never have. I, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody use this passage in connection with the Lord's Supper. But as I was just really thinking about this being a, a celebration of a love relationship, I was reminded in the Scripture of when Jesus talked to a church about their love. In Revelation chapter 2, uh, John is writing and he is revealing, he's writing what Jesus showed him, what Jesus said to him in this revelation. In the opening chapters, Jesus has a word for several churches and one of those churches is the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a great church, church planted by Paul, pastored by, by the Apostle John, pastored by Timothy. This is a growing church, a thriving church. It is a church that's having an impact on its community and on its culture. It's a great church. And in that vein, in that light, Jesus addresses them. Look what he says in Revelation chapter 2, last book of the Bible, verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. Could he not say, hey, Colonial Heights Baptist, I know how hard you work. Man, all those, all those adults that were down at the beach this week with those youth, you sacrificed, you gave, you worked hard this week. It was a part of your work that God used to create the opportunity we had with those youth this week. All of those, I saw you, I saw you working during vacation Bible school. I saw you up here each day. I, I, I saw you giving and serving in that way. I see you going out on the mission field. I see you going door to door in that go fishing uh, thing you do each Saturday. I see you coming in here Sunday after Sunday, serving and working from the parking lot to the nursery and about a hundred jobs in between so that people can worship and so that people can be discipled. I see your work. I, I, I see what you're doing. Isn't that good to know? Man, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Your work, your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Sometimes it feels like it's in vain, doesn't it? Sometimes you wonder, is this making any difference? Is this doing anything? Does this, does this count? And God says, I see. I see the work you're doing. It's not in vain. He says that to the church here in Ephesus. I believe he would say it to Colonial Heights Baptist. 
And then he says, not only do I know your works, your labor and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be liars. Hey, Colonial Heights Baptist, I see your conviction, your commitment to the truth. You're not a church trying to appease the world by dismissing the word of God, by reshaping the word of God, by tearing out pages in the word of God. You've got a commitment, you've got a conviction to proclaiming the whole counsel of God's word. You've got a commitment and a conviction to, to proclaiming and to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You care about the truth. I see that. I see your conviction and, and your commitment to that. Verse 3, you also possess endurance. And you have tolerated many things because of my name. And you've not grown weary. Hey, Colonial Heights Baptist, I, I see Man, you just keep doing it. You give and you give. You go and you go. You do it Sunday after Sunday. You do it year after year. Sometimes you're applauded. Sometimes you're noticed. Sometimes you, you know the, the church is real exciting and there's a lot of growth. And, and man, you do something and you see fruit. Sometimes you don't. Again, sometimes you may wonder if it's, if it's making any difference at all. But you keep going. You endure. You don't grow tired. You're not doing it for applause. You're not doing it for the immediate feedback, the immediate fruit. You just keep serving. This is a great church, isn't it? I might be a tad biased. I think Colonial Heights Baptist is a great church. I think many of these things he's saying here, he could, he would say to us. And these are great things, aren't they? I mean, who, what church would not want these kinds of things to be true about them? And that's why it's kind of a shock. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes from left field with verse 4. Look what it says there. But I have this against you. What? what, what after everything you just said, you, you have something against me? You've abandoned the love that you had at first. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. Somewhere, this stopped being about love. Somewhere, it just became work and effort and not a, a growing, thriving love relationship. You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I used to wonder a lot about how can, how can he affirm the things he affirms in, in verse 2 and 3 and then come with verse 4. I just understand. How can somebody be doing what they do in verse 2 and 3 and, and then verse 4 be the case. And, and then all of a sudden one day it, it just kind of dawned on me. Man, there's, a, there's an illustration that so many of us are all too familiar with, unfortunately. I've seen it over and over and over in marriage. You know what I'm talking about? You meet. You fall in love. You can't be more than six inches apart without it hurting. I was just with youth all week, and I, you know you can tell the couples they six inches, and they just begin to fall apart. Can't handle it. And when you do get more than six inches apart, then you got to call. You got to call. You know, but there's just that passion, that drive, that desire to be near each other, to to be together, to to enjoy each other. And, and pretty soon we do that so much, we say, "Hey, you, you want to do this for the rest of life?" And, and, and we get married. And there's that excitement of the honeymoon and that first year of marriage and, you know, life has started. And, and then you begin to 
you begin to take care of life, right? And a man and a woman, they can be doing absolutely everything they should be doing. Man, they're paying bills, they're taking care of a house, they're, they're raising kids, they're running errands, they're, they're in church, they're serving the Lord together. I mean, they're, they're doing everything they should be doing as a family. And while they're doing all of these things they should be doing, are you aware they can start growing apart? These are your divorces at 17 years. These are your divorces at 27 years. You think, well, how, what in the world? 27 years and you get divorced? You see, they're doing all of this work together. All good things. All things that need to happen. But somewhere in the midst of all the work, they're not sharing some significant conversations. Somewhere in the midst of all the work, they, they stop having some significant moments. Just, just them. Just the love. I mean, they're taking care of a lot of things. They're doing a lot of things, good things, things they have to do, things that they need to do. But the whole time they're becoming strangers in the same house. Nothing more than, than co-managers of the same checkbook. I would imagine most of our marriages at some time have felt a little bit of that. Maybe you're some familiar, familiar with some marriages that, that are more than familiar with that. They, they got stuck in that, never got corrected. See, the same thing can happen in our relationship with the Lord. We come in, there's the love, there's the excitement. As verse 5 says, there's just that overwhelming passion, unbelievableness. God would love me, the sinner that I am. What's he say? Remember. Remember when he came and loved you? Remember when he came and got you and how overwhelmed you were that you could be loved like that? You know, folks, when, when there is love, love for each other, when there is, is love for the Lord, there will always be work, conviction, and sacrifice. Out of that love will flow those things. But let us not make the mistake of letting the work and the convictions and the sacrifice become a substitute. That because I'm doing all this stuff, I love Jesus. Yeah, if you love Him, this stuff will flow. Don't let, it, don't let it become only this stuff that flows. Yes, that all needs to be there. But are you dating Jesus? Are you spending time with Him? Just the two of you where you talk and you share. You laugh, you cry. You think about the walk you have journeyed together and how, how wonderful that is. That Man, look what we've come through together this year, Lord. Look what we've come through together the last ten years. And you just enjoy Him. You just enjoy being with Him. Are you, are you loving Him in that way? We come now to a, a time here at the Lord's Supper. And it's to evaluate this. You know, folks, I, I'm not accusing any one individual and I'm not accusing us as a, of, as a church of walking away from our first love. But, but as we come to this table and it is a time of reflection, it is a time of evaluation. You know, that passage, that word to the church in Ephesus does become kind of a way to say, OK, look what can happen. 
And you may look at that and say, man, yeah, the work, the conviction, the sacrifice is there, but so is the, so is the passion, so is the relationship. You may look and go, oh my gosh. Man, I might just be like some of those folks there in Ephesus. So as we come to this table, it is a time, as Paul said, to examine ourselves, to look and see what is going on. I think first and foremost, we look at sin. Obviously, that is absolutely contradictory to anybody who says that they love Christ. And so we come to this table to remember love, to celebrate love. I want to confess. I want to I want to cleanse out the sin that's contradictory. Then maybe I want to start reflecting on this love relationship. Now, in a moment, I'll say a prayer and and we'll enter a few moments of silence and then I'll motion to the deacons and they'll stand up and we'll begin to hand out the elements and then they'll, they'll begin to hand it out to you. And so there'll be a few more moments. I, I guess probably in all, you know, up here in the front, you got about five minutes, you know, in the back seven minutes, you know, that, that it's kind of still and quiet and we can do this reflecting. I don't know about y'all, but that's not enough time. If that is enough time for you, then you're probably not... You're probably not getting it. Is that okay for me to say? You're not getting it if that's enough time. No more is it enough time for Karen and I to be apart and say, honey, I got three minutes. Let's let's make the most of it. No, that's that's not going to do it. And so maybe what we're doing in this moment, I just thought of this, by the way. I've been celebrating the Lord's Supper for a long time. And how many times have we had this moment of silence where I'm going to confess my sins and evaluate my life? It's not enough time. This context, this setting is not going to provide for that. And so maybe what we do is, yeah, there's some sins right up there in the front. I mean, we're already thinking about them, aren't we? I know what I did yesterday. I know what I thought. I know what I said. I, I know how I responded. I, I got to confess that. I got to get that cleaned out and. Maybe you're already starting to think about, hey, is there a love relationship or am I just kind of going through rote religious exercises? But maybe what we're going to do in this four, five, seven minutes is we're just going to make a promise to God that that what we're doing in this moment just begins a process. And would you with me make a promise that that God, what's starting in here in these next few moments will be completed today? It can't finish in here, but God, I will I will spend another 20, 30, 45 minutes with you today. And just really think about, man, am I, you know, there's the there's the sins that I always confess right up off the top. But am I really looking inside and am I saying, hey, God, what's in there that that's hurting to you? What's in there that's bothering you? Will I take time to to really let him speak? Will I take time to really evaluate what what is my My love relationship with Jesus. What's that look like? Where's that love being expressed? Is it growing? Is it healthy? And and folks, the only way I know how to evaluate that is evaluate how you might evaluate a love relationship with a person. Newsflash. Jesus is a person. So evaluate what, what kind of love is happening there. And what do I need to do to really be expressing that, growing in that and enjoying that more? So we'll have our time of silence in here. Paul says, don't come to this without examining. We need to do that. But we're just beginning a process, right? We're beginning a process and we make a promise to God. As I come to this table, I'll finish the process as the rest of this day unfolds. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you that as we bow our heads before you. We bow our head before a God who is patient. We're bowing our head before a God who is loving and forgiving. We're not bowing our head to a God who's excited about about slapping us. About about pointing out the wrong in our lives. You want this to be right. You want things to be the way they should be. And you make a promise to us that if we will confess our sins, you'll forgive us. What a promise we hold. And Lord, I pray that we would not use that forgiveness to say, okay, I'm clean and good to go into another round of sins this week. God, may we not use forgiveness as a parachute to jump into sin. But may we enjoy your forgiveness and use it to motivate us away from sin. God, as we enter these moments of stillness and quietness to reflect, would you give us discernment? God, help us to be focused. Even in the quietness, we can be easily distracted by things going on around us. God, help us just to focus on you for a moment, your voice, and to let you speak to us about the sin that is there. Let you speak to us about that love relationship. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Let's just leave our heads bowed and let's just continue in a moment of silence. Just to reflect on the thought that somebody's body has been broken so that I could live. Jesus said, take this and eat and remember me. Somebody can die and bleed for somebody else, but only the blood of Jesus Christ and it's spilling over you and me, can declare us, think of this, righteous before God, in right standing with Him because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, take and drink and remember me. Let's pray. Again, Father, I thank you for your patience. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray some relationships were renewed in these last few moments. Thank you for the work that you've done in our lives. And Lord, may we follow through. May we spend time yet the rest of this day evaluating, reflecting, confessing, repenting. And just enjoying being in love with you. Lord, I pray that the time we've spent in here this morning will make a difference in our lives. I pray our families can see it. They can see a difference because we've been with you this morning. I pray at work. They notice something. 
whether they say something or not, they just know there's something different about, about our attitude, about the way we respond. Lord, I guess maybe I should just pray that because we've been here, they see you on our face. That's what would be my prayer for myself and for each of us, Jesus. It's in your name I ask this. Amen.